Amen. Well, we have made it to the month of December. I don't know about you, but for me, 2021 seems like it has flown by. 2020 lasted about five to ten years, but 2021 lasted about five to ten minutes. And I, I can't believe that we all we are already in the month of December. And so we are getting closer and closer to Christmas. That means we had another week of Christmas music, Christmas movies. Jen, the cheesier, the better when it comes to the Hallmark Christmas movies. Um, yeah, amen is right. Um, so another, just another week of celebrating this Christmas season. And so as we as a church celebrate this Christmas season and all that uh, Christmas has to offer, we are focusing on uh, the Advent uh, season. Uh, Advent uh, originates, the, the holiday, the celebration, the remembrance of Advent uh, originates from the Lutheran and the Catholic churches, and it's pretty, pretty widely accepted among churches today. A lot of churches, they celebrate Advent uh, together. Um, in between my drive from here in our home, we have a church in Northampton, and uh, I see them update their sign out front, and I see it lines up with what we're talking about. And I know, hey, they must be talking about Advent as well. And so Advent comes from uh, the Latin word uh, for arrival. And so when we talk about Advent, we are talking about the arrival of Christ. We're preparing our hearts, we're preparing our minds for the arrival of Christ. And it's kind of uh, two-folded there. We are preparing our hearts for the arrival of Christmas Day and the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. And at the same time, as we anticipate the arrival of Christ, we anticipate the future coming of Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, as right now he's sitting at the right hand of God. But one day he is coming back to this earth and Jesus is going to establish God's kingdom here on earth where we will dwell for all of eternity with God and his son, Jesus. And so this Advent season, there's lots of reasons to celebrate. And so as we remember this Christmas season, we have to remember that Christ is the reason for the season. And I think we can help remember this by going through uh, the series of Advent. And so we have to really take this seriously that Christ is the reason for the season. And we have to make this especially clear uh, to children. You know, some of us may get so uh, wrapped up uh, into uh, the gifts, the exchanging of gifts, might get so wrapped up with uh, the idea of Santa Claus, might get so wrapped up with the uh, Christmas movies and the Christmas music that we don't ever really truly contemplate the true reason for the season. And a lot of times, unfortunately, what I see here in America is that Jesus Christ takes a backseat to all of the other Christmas festivities. Jesus Christ takes a backseat to Santa Claus. And uh, I, I hate uh, to see that uh, personally. If you do Santa in your household, uh, great. But, but let Santa take a backseat to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ can't be sitting in the backseat. Jesus Christ needs to be sitting in the driver's seat. After all, it's called Christ Miss, it's not clause, miss. The, the reason for the season is all about Jesus. Jesus, our Christ, Jesus, our Lord, our Messiah, the anointed one. 
And so as we anticipate the arrival of Christ, we're talking about four different things. We're talking, last week we talked about hope as we prepare our minds and hearts for, uh, for Jesus that brings a lot of hope for us. In the Old Testament, we took a look at a handful of different prophecies that talked about the birth of Jesus. And the birth of Jesus fulfilled these prophecies to a T. And now we today, we're in a very similar situation to the Jews of the Old Testament as they were awaiting the Messiah. Now we are awaiting the Messiah as well. We're, we're awaiting for him to come to descend from heaven to earth to establish God's kingdom. So as we remember Christmas, it can bring us a lot of hope when we, when we remember the true reason for the season. And likewise, when we remember the true reason for the season, it can bring us a sense of love as well. And so today we, we are talking about this, this topic, this concept of love and how it plays really a major role in the nativity scene in this Christmas story. And so today we're going to take a look at four different pairings from the Christmas story and see how love played an instrumental role in each of these four different pairings. And so the first demonstration of love that we're going to take a look at this morning is the love that Joseph had for Mary. And we could read about the love that Joseph had for Mary in the book of Matthew. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to the book of Matthew, the very first book of the New Testament. About two-thirds or three-fourths away into your Bible. In Matthew chapter 1, we'll be reading verses 18 through 20. I think it's very evident that Joseph had a deep and profound love for Mary. And so in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, it reads, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child, from the Holy Spirit. So let's pause there for a minute. So here we're introduced uh, to Mary and um, to uh, Joseph. And uh, what we see here is that Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. That means that Mary and Joseph, they have legally agreed to get married in the near future. It's very similar to the idea of an engagement in our society and culture, but there's a legal aspect behind this idea of being betrothed as well. So I would even say it takes engagement and takes it a step further. So here Joseph and Mary, they are betrothed. They aren't married yet, but they are legally pledged to be married in the near future. And all of a sudden, Mary, as she had been betrothed to Joseph, she came together. She was found to be with child. Uh-oh. <laughs> Bad news bears. Mary is pregnant. Joseph found out that Mary is pregnant. And here, Joseph is preparing to marry Mary. I like that play on words. Uh, so he's preparing to marry Mary. And, and, and here she is pregnant. And so that brings a lot of issues. As uh, we talked about just two weeks ago, uh, the truth about sex, and we talked about uh, one of the topics that we talked about was sex outside of marriage. And uh, the, Jew, the, the Jews were very strict about sex outside of marriage. Just two weeks ago, we took a look at, according to Deuteronomy chapter 22, if a woman was not found to be a virgin at marriage, then the men of that city would stone her to death. 
That's how seriously they took this issue of sex outside of marriage. And so they would try to, they, the, the parents of uh, the lady would go to the elders of the city. They would try to prove uh, her virginity by providing uh, the cloak on the uh, night of marriage, as that's the best evidence that they had of whether or not this lady was truly a virgin. But even more convincing evidence if someone was not a virgin would be if someone were pregnant. If we have any ladies in here uh, whom, whom got pregnant, you would convince nobody that you were a virgin, as that's what happens. Uh, that, that's the process uh, of how uh, we bear children. And so here, Joseph preparing to marry Mary, I did it again. I love it. As he was preparing to marry Mary, he found this lady Mary to be pregnant. And he had the legal right, he had the legal right to stone her to death if she truly was not a virgin. I mean, they had the strongest evidence possible that she was not a virgin. And so he had that legal right. But we continue in verse 9, and it reads, And her husband Joseph being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So Joseph, he had grace, he had mercy, he had compassion on Mary, this woman in whom he was about to marry. And so because of this, because again, he had this legal right to stone her to death, but he had this compassion, and behold, an angel revealed uh, to Joseph that, hey, this, was, this is a child from the Holy Spirit. Mary's been conceived by the Holy Spirit. And so this child that's within Mary's womb is actually the literal child of God. Incredible, incredible. The, the only birth like it. The only birth like it at that time, the only birth like it ever since then. But to me, when I read this, I can see the love that Joseph had for Mary. A lot of marriages back in the day, they were arranged uh, by their parents as their families got along or whatever the means necessary. They they were often arranged. We're we're not really, we aren't clued into how Joseph and Mary were betrothed to one another, but it's very likely that it was arranged. In other words, that Joseph and Mary didn't choose uh, to marry one another, but that it was chosen for them. And even yet, I see that Joseph had a love for this woman who was about to be his wife because he had compassion, he had grace and mercy on Mary for not stoning her to death, but having compassion and sticking with her after the angel informed him that uh, she was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So that, to me, shows the love that Joseph had for Mary. Another element of love that we see in the Christmas story is Mary's love for her son. Now, mothers are known to have a deep care and love for their children. A mother's love can be quite different from the love that a father has for their children. I mean, let me tell you, Ezra, uh, our son, he is my little buddy. I love hanging out uh, with Ezra, but Ezra is Jamie's precious little baby boy. And don't ever let anybody mess with Ezra because his mother will be after you. Um, And so there's a different connection 
that Jamie has with Ezra than I, being Ezra's father, have with him. As mothers, they, they bear this child for nine months, and they have that connection. With baby number two on the way, Jamie, I'm sure Jamie has a much deeper connection with baby number two who's, who's in uh, her womb right now than I do. And, and so we know, we get this idea that mothers in general, they have this deep sense of care and love for their children. And the Christmas story, what uh, the records that we see in Matthew and Luke, they don't go into specific detail of the love demonstrated by Mary to Jesus. But I think when we take a look throughout the Gospels, the love that Mary had for Jesus was very evident. I think of uh, maybe the greatest evidence at, at the end of Jesus' life and his crucifixion when he was uh, killed because he was claiming to be the Son of God the person that he exactly is, the son of God. And so as he's there sitting on the cross in John uh, chapter 19, verse 25, it talks about how the mother of Jesus, Mary, was at the foot of the cross. She was mourning for her son that was hanging on this cross. And Jesus looked after his mother, and he, 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 gave, him, he gave her off to one of his disciples. And so I think we, we, we can understand that Mary had a deep, affection for her son, Jesus. I mean, she went through a lot of trouble early on. I mean, Joseph, her, the, the woman, she, or the man she was betrothed to, almost divorced her. I'm sure she was seen as a bit of an outcast as she was pregnant and she was not yet married. And so it likely caused her a handful of trouble, but yet she still had a love for her precious son, Jesus. And so another element of love that we can see from this Christmas story is God's love for his son. As Mary is the mother of Jesus and God is the heavenly father of Jesus. As again, we read here in verse 18 and uh, verse 20 of Matthew chapter 1 that Mary was conceived by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit uh, descends from God. It's God's personal presence among us. And here God conceived Mary uh, with this Holy Spirit. And so again, Jesus is the literal son of God, a distinction from you and I. We, we, we are not the, the literal by birth children of God. I, I believe that is a right that we receive through the process of adoption as we talked about uh, as we went through the seven doctrines of salvation. But Jesus was the literal, by blood, the son of God. And I think God had a deep and profound love for his son as well. For thousands of years, God talked about his future son. All the way back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, and in the curse of mankind, God talks about his son, the Messiah, the, the, the anointed one, the one that is to come. And so for thousands of years, God has been talking about his precious son, Jesus, in anticipation for his birth thousands of years later. And so God didn't just talk about Jesus there in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, but it's, it's flooded throughout the whole Old Testament. God talked to a lot of different people in the Old Testament about his son, Jesus, because God had a care. God had a love for his son, 
Jesus. And when we transition into the New Testament, it's not often that we see the audible words of God. Not often does God speak himself in the New Testament. But in Matthew chapter 3, just two chapters after, Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, we see or we hear the audible words of God himself. So whenever God is speaking, we have better pay attention. And so at the baptism of Jesus in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, it reads, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. I love this. In the midst, uh, just after Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, God, a voice from heaven, which we can uh, know is God, God is talking, and in the midst of all these people at the baptism of Jesus, God lets them know. He says, listen up, this, this here, Jesus of Nazareth, he is my son. And not only is he, is he my son, but he is my beloved son. I love him dearly. I am very well pleased with my precious son, Jesus. So God himself talks about the love that he has for his son, Jesus. And so as we, in the coming weeks, as we read this Christmas story, the nativity scene, the actual birth of Jesus, that's God's precious baby boy. That's his boy. That's his son in whom he loves and whom he is well pleased. And so I think, taking a look at this Christmas story, we see that God had a deep and sincere love for his son, a love that cannot be beaten. Now, the final uh, element of love that we can see from uh, this Christmas story that we'll talk about this morning is the love that God has for you. You can see the love that God has for you in this Christmas story. In 1 John chapter 4, which Jen actually just read uh, a, a little bit ago, if you're paying attention, you better have been paying attention. Um, in, John, in John chapter 4, verse 8, it reads, Anyone who does not love does not know God. Why? Because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. So here in this account of 1 John, we, we are, are given this knowledge, this information, that God sent his son into the world because God loves us, because God loves you. I mean, God was very, very well capable of having his precious son, Jesus, uh, be born and raised in the heavenly host with God and have that face-to-face -face interaction uh, all of Christ's life. But instead, God had the beginning, the birth of Jesus take place on earth amongst mankind. And we, re we read the reason why he did that is because 
God loves us. And this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world. And by sending his only son into the world, we might be saved by him. We might be saved through him, that we have life through him. John continues in verse 10, he says, And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So not only did God send his son into the world because he loved us, but God gave his son up as a propitiation for our sins, a substitution for our sins to appease God. And so it's very evident as we read about the birth of Jesus, the birth of the Son of God amongst mankind. We can see that this took place because God loves each and every one of us. God entrusted his son to Mary and Joseph, and he did this because of his love. As God had a grand plan from the beginning of time, before the foundation of the world, that he was going to use his son to save us from our sins. Jesus played a very integral part of this grand plan. And so when we take a look at this Christmas story, and as we read through this Christmas story in the coming weeks, we could see that A, Joseph had a love for Mary. He, he didn't choose to stone her to death, but instead he chose forgiveness. He chose forgiveness, and I think uh, he chose forgiveness because of the love and the care that he had for Mary. Number two, we see that Mary loved his son, Jesus. I mean, Mary's not talked a whole lot about throughout uh, the scriptures, but we, we understand the natural affection and care and love that a mother has for her children. And Mary was there for Jesus all the way until the end when Jesus was crucified and Mary was there at the foot of the cross. Number three, we, we see that God loved Jesus. God made that very clear. God didn't leave any sort of confusion or any room for interpretation. He let us know by his own audible voice that, hey, listen up. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And finally, we can see that God loves us. As God sent his son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. And so I want to encourage you all as we remember and as we anticipate the arrival of Christmas Day to remember the element of love in this Christmas story. It's seen in every single corner of this Christmas story. We see love upon love upon love. Love is at the heart of this Christmas story. And so during this Christmas season, we need to do two things. Number one, I'd encourage you guys to remember that God loves you. God loves you. The Christmas story is evidence of that, evidence of the love that God has for you. For God sent him into the world so that we might live through him. And number two, during this Christmas season, we need to, to reciprocate this love that God has given us to those around us. In verses 11 and 12 of 1 John chapter 4, we continue here. It says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, 
God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. And so because God loved us, beloved, we have got to love one another. And so this Christmas season, find a way, find a unique and special way to love one another. In John chapter 13, verse 35, the night before Jesus was crucified with his disciples around him, he said, I give you a new commandment, to love one another. And he says, this is how they will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Jesus says, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. Jesus says, the second commandment is like it, that we should love our neighbor as ourselves. Love is such an important piece of this grand plan that God has. And as we celebrate this Christmas season, we need to reciprocate the love that God has given us to those around us. And so think of special ways that you can show love to those around you. Maybe go and provide a meal to a homeless person. Maybe provide a coat or, or t- take them to dinner at your house. It's getting cold. They could use the, the warmth. They could use the food. So pr- provide a meal to a homeless person. Call Stefan up, Stefan Swanson, and see how you can help out at the Springfield Project 12 in, in which she deals with a lot of people from broken families. Invite someone over to your family's Christmas something we did uh, last year with us up in Michigan, someone who went to uh, our church up in Michigan, um, and it was special, inviting them into our family Christmas. So invite someone to your family Christmas. Have someone over for dinner. Write a couple of cards to either loved ones or to complete strangers and hand them to them. Give a couple of phone calls of people who you may know may be hurting or are lonely this Christmas season. Make a pie for someone. Pay for someone else's meal at a restaurant. Volunteer at a nonprofit. There are so many ways in which we can show our love to others around us. And I would really, really encourage you to find that unique and special way this Christmas season to show extra love to someone who can need it Because for a lot of us, this Christmas season brings a lot of joy. But for some people with this Christmas season, when it doesn't bring them a deep sense of joy, it brings a deep sense of grief or sorrow as they may not have that family around them to celebrate. They might have lost loved ones around this time. Whatever it may be, find some way to show love to others because God first loved you. And we see his love through the Christmas story. And we also see his love for us through the story of the crucifixion. We remember the crucifixion through communion this morning. And so if you like to partake communion and you did not grab the emblems on your way in, raise your hand and uh, we will have a mark. Yeah, would you go ahead and grab them uh, behind the chair there? So raise your hand, and Mark will hand uh, the communion emblems to you. And so the night before Jesus was crucified, we talked about in John chapter 13, verse 35, he said, I give you a new commandment that you shall love one another. And he said this with his disciples sitting at the table with him. And that same night at the Lord's 
Supper, there was the bread and there was the cup present in this meal as they were celebrating the Passover uh, festival. And so Jesus, he took the bread and he said, this bread represents my body, which is broken for each and every one of you. And so this morning, as we partake in communion, as we eat the bread in that top sliver there, this bread represents the body of Jesus being broken for you and I. And through this, we can see the love that God has for us. Let's go ahead and let's pray over the bread. Father God, we just thank you for your love and your care, the love that you provided to your son and the love that you give to us today. And so, Father, I just pray that each and every one of us, we can take this love that you have given us seriously, that we can learn to reciprocate that love as we have the ultimate example of what love looks like through the sacrifice of your precious son, Jesus. And so, Father, we thank you for the ultimate expression of love. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. So if you open that top sliver there, this bread represents the body of Jesus being broken for you and I. Let's partake together. After Jesus took that bread, and when she said, this bread represents my body, it's broken for you. He took that cup. He said, this cup represents my blood being spilt for you. And so as we partake together of this cup, this cup represents the blood of our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that was spilt for you because God loves you. Let's pray over the cup. Father, we love you. We thank you for laying your precious son, Jesus, down, the son in whom you loved and whom you are well pleased. So Father, I just pray that we don't take this expression of love lightly, but we see it for all that it's worth and that we learn to reciprocate that love unto others. And so Father, thank you. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's partake of the cup together. Father God, you are good, you are gracious, you are merciful, you are forgiving, God. And we thank you for that forgiveness. We thank you for your love that you show us on a daily basis and the love that you showed us through laying your son Jesus down for each and every one of us. So Father, I just pray in this Christmas season, you focus on both the love that you have for us and the love that we can give unto others. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. As we close out our service today, if you would stand and sing with us, O come all ye faithful, let us now go 